0: Uh, Today we'll be in Mark 2, 13 through 17, if you'll make your way there. Mark 2, 13 through 17. I'll read, pray, and then uh, we'll get started. Verse 13 says, He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him. He was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as he reclined at the table at his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Uh, Father, I pray that you um, work in our hearts today. This reminder from Mark uh, of, of who we are called to be, um, not because we are working towards anything, not because we're earning anything, uh, but because of who Jesus is and, and, and who, who you are, what you've done for us, and now who that makes us, God not according to anything we could do, according to your gospel, according to your grace, mercy, and love. God, I pray that that changes our hearts today and every day as we consistently turn towards sin, we consistently become selfish, unmerciful, unloving people, God. Every day we are told lies by the enemy, God. I pray that you consistently Open our eyes to see how good you are. Let us repent from that sin. Let us turn from that life that is unsatisfying, that is empty, and turn to you, God. I pray that that happens every day for all of us. Thank you for this reminder. Thank you for Jesus and for the work on the cross. Amen. All right, so I am very grateful for this reminder of grace and love. Uh, from Jesus we can also find this story of calling this tax collector in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 9 but there's a couple of differences uh, one we'll talk about now and then we'll save one for the end uh, so first we know that this tax collector who Jesus calls um, is Matthew um, there's some debate on why Mark in this case calls him Levi uh, maybe his name changed to Levi or to Matthew after he began following Christ uh, maybe he had two names I'm called coach beard sometimes and i am called Jesse beard and sometimes I'll call my full name if I'm in trouble uh, maybe you had two names uh, one Hebrew the other Greek uh, all these possibilities but we don't need to get too deep into it all we need to understand is this is the same person Levi Matthew this is a tax collector who Jesus commands to follow him but we'll call him Levi since we're in mark uh, and this title of tax collector has to stand out to us if you're like me you grew up in church you know that these were the bad guys. These were the bad guys in any movie. Uh, Levi, Zacchaeus, these guys were despised by the Jewish people. This move by Jesus to call Levi to follow him would have been a shock to everyone around him because Jews did their best to disassociate, to stay away from tax collectors at all costs. My grandma, my entire life, before she retired, was a tax collector in my hometown and I was afraid to tell anybody what she did because I thought that she was a bad person or something. They, hey, what did your grandma do? Oh, nothing, she, she, whatever. Uh, no, I thought it was bad to be a tax collector, but obviously it's different during this time because these tax collectors, Levi was thought as a traitor because they decided to work for the Romans who were oppressing the Jews daily. There was no real system of accountability to ensure uh, any kind of... Uh, way that tax collectors were taking the right amount of money so it was really common for these guys to take more than rome was demanding from these people they were protected by roman authorities so there's nothing jewish citizens could really do about this Uh, tax collectors were not just social outcasts but religious outcasts as well they weren't allowed in synagogues and they were basically treated as untouchables similar to lepers But the difference was between them and a leper, these tax collectors chose this lifestyle. They chose to be this kind of person. Uh, The Jewish community this whole time is anticipating God to send their Messiah, to reestablish his kingdom through Israel. And, And men like Levi, these tax collectors, were keeping their oppressors, keeping Rome in power by collecting these taxes they demanded. In their eyes, Levi is the enemy. He is opposing the reign of the Lord. These are bad guys. But Jesus wants this man, this tax collector, to follow him. It's very important to see Jesus does not ask for a background check. Um, He didn't ask him some questions to make sure they're on the same page theologically, that he's worthy. He doesn't ask anything in return, nothing. He just says, follow me. What does Levi do? Without questioning, no doubts, no hesitations. He simply follows Jesus. Jesus has already started his ministry. Um, he's healed, He's preached the gospel, he's proclaimed his truth. So we can assume no, no, for sure but that Levi knows something about him, knows who he is, knows what he's proclaiming, and then pairs that with these other religious leaders, these Pharisees in the area. He knows what they think of tax collectors. He knows what they think of him. They probably have told him that. And he's probably thinking, me? Like, you want me to follow you? You want to go to my house with my friends, those guys who are also hated by other religious leaders in the area. You want me to follow you. How could you want me to follow you? And, and, and immediately when I think of this, isn't this how we should think of our salvation every day? Because we know this work definitely did not come from us. I know who I am. Nothing in me is powerful enough, nothing in me is good enough to save me from my own sin. It's not there. Jesus, that great mediator, has to step in, change our hearts, and command us to follow him. Because I know my heart. I know who I am. I know what I've done. Why would Jesus want anything to do with me? Thank you, Jesus, that that is not true. That He didn't just throw me aside. That He didn't just walk past me as some Pharisee would walk past a tax collector. He chose me. Come, follow me. So I'm prayerful that not just you, this is my daily mindset um, as I live my life, as I run to the Father. These Pharisees, though, had a really tough time with this. To become a Pharisee, you had to memorize large portions of Scripture in their entirety. Uh, You had to sit under a teaching of another Pharisee, an older Pharisee, for years before you could ever be accepted. It took years of hard work and dedication. Most men just didn't make it at all. If you weren't wealthy, in fact, uh, you were much uh, much less likely to become a Pharisee because it took so much time. So you had to just stop working and devote your life to this. And so if you weren't wealthy, if your family wasn't wealthy, you probably weren't going to become a Pharisee. The system was based on merit. And this system led to these Pharisees to assume that God only accepts those who build up their knowledge to a certain degree and who consistently follow all the laws. It was all based on that. And this is what they're developing in their minds. And so when they see Jesus hanging out with tax collectors and other sinners, this strikes a, it like strikes a nerve with them. Not just because Jesus is hanging out with people they stayed away from. They did not have a problem with that. Sure, Jesus, whoever you want to hang out with, that's fine but by Jesus dining and reclining with Levi and these others, they take this as Jesus fully accepting these people, knowing who they are. Jesus knows who they are. They, he knows these are sinners and tax collectors. And by Jesus enjoying life with them, this is showing the Pharisees, I'm fully accepting of these people, no matter what they do. And this is a problem for them. This is not, like... the this isn't work in their eyes these are people who are actually going against what Jesus is proclaiming for them Jesus eating with these sinners is a slap in the face it's as Jesus is telling them all that work all that knowledge that you work for your entire life it's nothing because I'm accepting these guys who not only did nothing did, didn't do any of that but also are working against what you are so Je- jesus simply hanging out with these people Um, but that's what the Pharisees hear from this. That's what they get from this experience. But then Jesus actually says it. Verse 17, uh, When Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but to call sinners. What Jesus has for them should seem like this very simple truth. We get this right now, but it's so foreign to them. According to their thinking, They, out of all people in the world, they are the ones who should be called. It should be them. In their eyes, they earn this. Who cares about these people? These people don't deserve to be called. They're sinful, they're deceitful, they're greedy. Human beings going against everything that we believe. Why should they deserve this call? Why does they deserve to dine with you, Jesus? But this is who Jesus calls. Jesus calls the sinner... Because the sinner is the one who has the greatest need for Jesus. Those who are sick are in need of a physician, not those who are well. The problem the Pharisees had, what it, is, it, is, it, it was not their job to care for these people. It was not their job. Their job was to educate. Their job was to preserve the law. And thankfully, we can be thankful for them, they did that really well. They preserved the Old Testament. They preserved That law and they held it up to a standard and and we have that today so we can be thankful for them but it was not up to them to change the hearts of these sinners it was not up to them to care for these people they couldn't be the physician for those who are sick only God could could do that and Jesus unfortunately but fortunately now because we are saved by this this is what led to Jesus's death because he not only knows the truth that they need a physician but he is claiming to be that physician as well. And this is what gets him killed. This is what puts him on the cross. This leads to this other difference that I talked about between Mark and Matthew's stories. Matthew adds this in the end. And, I, and, and when I read it, I want to include it because I think it's really eye-opening of, of a word choice. Jesus hears the Pharisees ask about this meeting. Why is your teacher? Why is your mentor? Why is Jesus meeting with these sinners and, and these tax collectors? And Jesus says the same thing. Those who are well Have no need of a physician but those who are sick. And then 9.13 says, Jesus says, Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. Mercy, not sacrifice. Do we hear that this morning? And this evidently leads us to another gospel. We're jumping around to all, all today. Luke chapter 18. A parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector. Jesus, in verse 9 of Luke 18, "...Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt." Sounds just like our story here in Mark. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, "'God, I thank you that I am not like other men.'" extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but the one who humbles himself will be exalted and so this is where we stand today these two calls pray for mercy and show mercy pray for mercy and show mercy praying for mercy when we seek the Lord when we go to him in prayer are we begging for mercy knowing our simple hearts, knowing we have nothing to offer, are we coming to the Father empty-handed, enemies asking Him to show us mercy? Is that our heart when we go to the Father? Because there's a couple of things to see here. Our Father, God our Father, does not desire us to feel shame when we call on Him for mercy. If seeking God's mercy only reminds us of how unworthy we are, how undeserving we are of that mercy, and it stops right there. If it just shows us that, if it reminds us of that, and stops, it is absolutely going to lead to shame. And shame is sin. If it stops right there, it leads to shame. The reminder of who I was before Christ changed everything should point me to a merciful Father. So it reminds us of how unworthy we are, and then it points us to who forgave all that sin. My Father who does not see my sin, does not see the old self, because of His grace, His mercy, He now sees a child of a king. This is what this process should look like. This is what this begging for mercy should look like. Yes, I am unworthy. I am nothing. But don't stop right there. God, you are merciful. Thank you, Father, for forgiving my sin. Rather than be burdened with the shame of sin, or rather minimize the weight of sin and think it's not that big of a deal, we should daily just marvel at the magnitude of His mercy. Every day we are amazed how merciful God is. It has to lead. Us begging, crying out for mercy has to lead us to seeing a merciful Father. It can't stop with shame. And now... If we've been changed by the gospel, and every day we're reminded of God showing us this mercy, we're reminded of who we were, we're reminded of Him showing mercy to a sinful people, enemies, children of wrath, that's who we were, then we should now live a changed life. If we've experienced that, we should live a changed life. We've experienced the greatest display of mercy ever. The greatest display of mercy that, that'll, that's ever going to happen. And so now, how are we displaying mercy to others, especially those who are sick and in need of a great physician? It's very easy for me to show mercy to my best friend, to my wife. Uh, It is very hard for me to show mercy to those who disagree with me, who get in Facebook arguments with me. Um, it 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 is hard. But the sick are the ones who are in need of a physician. The well don't need that. And so you can look into our world today, and you can see, just like Mr. Eddie was talking about, you can see that something is wrong. Something is broken. But also, you can look at the same world 100 years ago, and every day in between, and guess what? Something still isn't right. Every day, something is wrong. We can look back on memories. We can enjoy our time here on earth. We have family, friends. But we know a sickness pollutes this world. But what we, the children of God, do with that knowledge, we know that something's wrong, what we do with that is extremely important. Because we have two options. Are we going to be like the Pharisees in this moment? We justify who we are based on our work, our knowledge, our money, experience, who we know, our, our righteousness, And then look into that sinful world, that broken, messed up world, that nation, that city, our community, and think, I will have nothing to do with those people. I I am above that. I will not love. I will not show mercy. I will not have a meal with that tax collector because they are the enemy. But we see the broken world and do that. Not saying that we'll ever say that, but subconsciously. Thinking and and, and acting that out. Is that who we're going to be? Or will we see Christ's example here? That yes, this world is indeed broken. I do not have to convince you this world is broken. Read the news. Step outside. Just the fact that we had ice two weeks ago, and now i got to roll my windows down on my truck because the AC doesn't work. This world is broken, but this is where we live in, uh, North Louisiana. Um, This is broken. This is messed up. Heaven's going to be so much better. We're going to have AC all the time. This world is broken. But this is not our home. And yes, those who are slaves to sin, those who are just bathing in sin every day with no care in the world, they are enemies of God. They are indeed enemies of our Father. But guess who else was an enemy before Christ stepped in? I know I was. Maybe not you. I was definitely an enemy before Christ stepped in. And I didn't do anything. I didn't do that work. I was an enemy. Those who are well do not need a doctor. The sick need a doctor. They need a great physician. But we cannot be that doctor. But thanks to the Holy Spirit living inside me through love, grace, and mercy, I can definitely point them to that great physician. I can point them to that doctor. I cannot save them. But I can point them to the one who can. And so are we merciful to those in our life who do not deserve mercy? Are we merciful? Not because it's going to earn us anything. No, there is no prize for showing mercy to those difficult people. Um, But out of of an abundance and just an overflowing... That God has had for us overflowing of love and mercy now that should just overflow and saturate our communities our workplaces our schools again not because we're working to gain anything but because God the Father has shown us so much mercy beyond anything that we could ever comprehend or show anybody else now out of that flows all that mercy and all that love to those who are in need, those who are sick and in need of a physician. If you have been changed by the gospel um, and you are not flowing with mercy, if you are not showing mercy every day, we should not feel shame. If if that's what your mind goes to, because it's tough for me, my mind immediately goes to, okay, uh, yeah, last week at work, I did not show that eighth grader any mercy uh, because they were being an eighth grader. Um, And I am an adult, and I didn't show mercy. So immediately, my mind goes to shame, like, why? What is wrong with me? And so if that's you today, do not feel shame. We have the gospel. Jesus also died for that shame. He dies for our sin when I'm not showing mercy, and he died for that shame. We simply, as we're running to the Father, Father, please be merciful to me, because I know I'm not merciful. As we're running to the Father daily, and we're searching our hearts, asking ourselves, what is the hold up here? That, that I know my heart has been changed, but there's some kind of block, there's some kind of disconnect with my mouth for sure and my mind. There's some kind of disconnect. Father, change that. What is going on? What lies from the enemy in my believing that caused me to hold this mercy back? This is mine. What is causing that? And so if you have been changed by the gospel, there is no shame There is simply just a call for you to show mercy. And when you don't show mercy, ask for more mercy. And then hopefully, as that continues to happen day after day, then you begin to really see and believe the gospel, and you're able to show mercy. If you have not been changed by the gospel, if there has never been a moment of transformation for you, um, this this was me growing up in church, uh, getting to high school and realizing I have not been changed by the gospel. I've been very religious. I've had parents who have loved me and who've taught me about Jesus. And I thought, I've been born in this family. I'm a good kid. Uh, this was me and I love Jesus and I'm, I'm saved by Jesus. Um, but eventually I saw that I have not been changed by the gospel. And so if that's you. If you've not been changed by the gospel. The good news is that this is this is it. This is your day to be changed by the gospel. If you can look back and see that something has been empty, if you're missing something, if you can see that you have not shown mercy really ever, this is the day of your salvation. Run to the Father who is merciful. He sees who you were. He sees what you've done. And He extends love, grace, and mercy forever, no matter what. So that is my prayer for you, you would run to the Father, you'd run to those who love you here, They could remind you of that gospel. Not to those who are going to throw shame on you, not those who are going to call you to do some kind of work to gain this salvation, but those people who love you, these family and friends who love you, who are part of this church, go to them, and they're going to remind you of that gospel. They're going to remind you that God is merciful, and that He calls you to be merciful uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna end here um, this is one of my favorite um, it's a passage from a, a sermon but it was put in a song That's the only way I heard it from a, one of my favorite bands is a, a spoken word um, but it is based off of Jesus exclaiming that blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy so I wanted to read this for you from uh, another pastor and then I'll, I'll pray He says, We are here in this world enjoying life. We are here because Jesus Christ didn't say with cold indifference, Give them what they deserve. They brought it on themselves. No, Jesus Christ is the mercy of God. And seeing us in our misery and in need, He doesn't just feel for us, He takes the necessary actions to relieve our distress. He leaves the eternal glory of heaven. The perfect fellowship of the Trinity he condescends to us lives among us suffers like us and dies for us do you understand this have you experienced this how then is it possible to experience it and not display it it isn't possible you haven't experienced it if you don't display it the evidence of God's mercy in your life isn't determined by how much theology you know, how many books you've read, by your active goodness to people in misery and in need. Your active goodness to people in misery and in need. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Let's call on our Father to be merciful to us. And let's call on our Father begging Him, God, open my eyes to how I can show mercy to those who are in need. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this reminder today um, that no matter how old we are, um, no matter how much we know, no matter how much we ex- experience God, this reminder is for us today. That God, You are calling us to be merciful. That there are uh, those in our world who are sick. They are in need. Our world is in need to be changed by the Gospel. God, who is going to be sent? Who is going to carry this message, God, that we can't do the saving. God, we can point those who are in need to the great physician, God. So I pray that through us, through the church here at Alt Chapel, in Monroe the Crossing, and, and, and across our nation, God, I pray that that is who we are. That, that, is who, that is what makes us, God, that we are a merciful people rooted in the Gospel, Daily, showing mercy to those in need. Showing mercy to those who do not deserve mercy because You, our Father, You showed mercy when we absolutely did not deserve mercy, God. I pray that is who we are, that, that, that our end goal is, is, is nothing but Your glory, God. I pray that is, that is what makes us, God. Thank You so much that the Gospel makes all this true. That we can do this because the Holy Spirit now lives inside us. God, remind us of that. That together with the Holy Spirit, with the church surrounding us, we can be merciful. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this church. Thank you for their love for you, for each other, and this community, God. pray that you continue to bless the work here in all chapel. Amen.